All right, welcome to Trade Tactics. Trade Tactics was created to provide a platform for trade contractors to learn best practices for running and growing a business from other successful trade companies. Speaking of adding to the success of your company, Stack Construction Technology created Stack to help you win more jobs, free up your time, and make more money. Stack is a cloud-based pre-construction solution that powers plan, spec, and document management, team collaboration from the office to the field, and to clients and suppliers. Stack does cloud-based material and quantity takeoffs, provides project reporting and job analytics so you can track bids in real time. Check them out, stackct.com. You can log in, you get a free trial, it's easy to use, and their training and support is always free. Stack was created by trade workers for trade workers. Check it out. Get your life back. Spend less time bidding jobs. Bid more jobs. Win more jobs. Make more money. Check them out. StackCT.com. These guys were trade contractors, created a solution that worked for them, and it's going to work for you too. Check them out. StackCT.com. Today on the show, we're interviewing Danny Kerr from the Breakthrough Academy. Uh, Breakthrough Academy partners with trade companies to structure their entire business and anchor it with clear, achievable goals. During the interview with Danny Kerr today, we go into great detail about the tools and services BTA provides to their clients. Um, I've actually broken the interview into two parts because it was rather lengthy, so I broke it down to about two 35-minute halves. Uh, the first half of the interview, we talk about entrepreneurship, what it actually takes to be an entrepreneur and run a business. We talk about financial management. We talk about recruiting and just and so much more. Um, part two of the interview, we talk about retaining quality team members. We talk about on-site marketing, work-life balance, problem solving, and just a ton more. I think you're going to find that this interview provides just an abundance of resources that you can use immediately and implement in your company immediately to help grow your company and, and really uh, add to the success of your company. You can check out Breakthrough Academy at BT academy.com there's a ton ton of information on there and you can actually go to uh btacademy.com forward slash download type in tt1219 and they will send you a ton of information um some strategic planning forms cash flow forms some job description templates you can use you can implement those into your business immediately all right Stay tuned. This is a great interview. Like I said, part one's about 35 minutes. Part two is about 35 minutes. Check it out. You're going to love it. Um, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks so much. What the six pillars are is it's a basic understanding that in business, yes, you could have a financial plan and yes, you could have job descriptions and yes, you could build an org structure and recruit guys and do training for them. And, but if you don't understand how they're all linked to be like one management machine, then yeah. it gets very messy very quickly. And so it's just about understanding how do you how do you build all these six pillars properly so they're actually holding up the house and you're not the owner holding everything up on your back. That's a fantastic so. analogy. Um, considering, uh, I, I assume that most of your, your clients, if not all of them, are, are actually actively working in the building trades? They all are. Yeah, every single one of them. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So I, just, uh, I actually, um, I ran a general contracting company for a couple of years. I think I told you that uh, last time we spoke. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, going through – so I, I know I said this last time, but I wish that I had taken the time when I was in the thick of things with my company 
to seek out a coach or uh, just some kind of guidance because I was so busy, like running my company. I, I, I was like, I was too, it's like the whole sharpening the saw thing, you know, uh, you got to sharpen your saw to cut down a tree. Um, I was so busy running the company that I never stopped to say, to, to get some advice on how I should be doing it. You know, and I think that yeah. I think that affects a lot, a lot of businesses, um, you know, especially the trade businesses. So, you know, even this even your six pillar approach would have been helpful when I was running my company because it was a it was. I don't want to call it a nightmare because it was a it was a great experience. But <laughs> it definitely could have yeah, been a better it, experience. The reality with a lot of this, and it's kind of shocking that we haven't set this up, but like to be an entrepreneur, like to be a doctor, to be, you know, a lawyer, to be a whatever, you need to get a degree, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes the degrees are kind of bullshit, but sometimes they're pretty legitimate. Yeah. Um, in business, not only, well, I guess there is like entrepreneurship degrees you can get now, but I would say arguably those are complete crap. Like I actually used to, years ago, I was a, basically worked for College for Painters, if you know there. So that was like a big part of my life for a long time. Uh -huh. And I used to go to every university in Western Canada. I was the head of recruitment and development for franchises. And it would be on university campuses hiring you know, young students to run these little franchises. And so I'd spend a lot of time in the entrepreneurship classes and the business classes you know, on campus. And I was just like, this is all crap. Like, there's just no actual education on how to be an entrepreneur. There's a bunch of professors who have never yep. really run a business. And a couple of them have, but very few, teaching curriculum that really doesn't lead a student down a realistic path of knowing what to actually do. And to be honest, it's hard to learn how to run a business and not be running one currently, right? You get to yeah. kind of like try it and do it, try it and do it. And so when I was in college pro, like it was pretty incredible. Like they like teach me something and then we go like use it the next day in the field, you know, teach me something and then go use it the next day in the field. And I realized like you, people shouldn't be allowed to run companies until they get a proper education on what they're doing. Cause it is arguably as complex as, you know, being a doctor. Uh, maybe not that complex, but it's it's in that same range. It's like you have to understand financials, you have to understand people, you have to understand like you know like legal stuff. You have to understand like there's so many things to understand, and then there's also like the emotional component where you have to like emotionally like be held hold yourself together through the highs and lows, and there's the financial cash flow you know component of like being able to you know put your own money on the line and the stress that comes with that. Oh yeah, and, you know it's it's just crazy. And then we're just like, yeah, anyone can do it. It's Wait. like no. You know, it, not it, anyone can do it. Actually, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I feel like I, I heard somewhere that doctors actually receive business training because I mean that's they are going to be do. running their own business essentially. If they're going to have their yeah, own practice, they, they got to run a company. So yeah, they do it, it, it. Yeah, it's a bit of a joke as well. I've I've seen it and I've been through a little bit of it, but they do. They get a they get a little dose of like you know how do you build a business plan? How do you build a budget? Um, some of, some of the basic stuff. How do you do marketing? <laughs> well, you know, I, again, it's all very theoretical and it's all very. Well, I, I have yeah, a business degree funny. and I was, you know, I was building yeah. houses you know, this is years ago and I was like, okay, I graduated with my business degree, right? Business degree. I must know how to run a business because I have a piece of paper mm -hmm. and uh, I jumped mm -hmm. into to running my own company and was like, nothing that I'm doing here did I learn at the university. I won't say nothing, yeah. but there was there was no. I even took a class on entrepreneurship, and there were, you know, other than saying yeah. here's how do you design a business plan, there was no yeah. really relatable information. Like, hey, 
when you're running your business, you're gonna you can expect A, B, and C. There was none of that. It was all kind of theoretical because you're right. I, I had a, a ton of professors that were great at teaching business, but that weren't actual business people. And there's a huge difference. There's no real good path to running a uh, business properly, and it's kind of why we created what we created is it's just like I I happen to have bumped into a world where I did get trained quite well as an entrepreneur. It was within a franchise system. And I find that that is, you know, one place where, you know, if a franchise system's run properly, you can actually train someone how to run a business. Yeah. But outside of that, there's no real solid foundational stuff. There's a lot of like coaches and online, you know, videos you can watch and all that stuff, but it's all a hodgepodge of different things and it's not properly developed for like an industry. Yeah. Let's talk about the, uh, the six pillars because I think, it, I think it's really important. So, and if you don't mind, I don't, you know, I want you to talk about specific clients of yours, but just kind of the general sense of when they come to you, um, you know, a typical client, when they call you, are they, are they at the end of their rope or are they just starting out or how does, how do, how do you find the clients when they come to you? Like what's their condition? Um, it varies. You've definitely got the people who have been running it for 10, 15 years and they're pretty maxed and they have been for way too long and mostly just their time like they just have no personal time for themselves and they've kind of built a machine that's way bigger than their skill set is mm-hmm. um so that's 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 fairly common um we've also got guys though who they have built a fairly good machine and they're seeking active education to make it even better right so um those are like it, it, it does vary but what I, I do find in general is all the people we work with they're entrepreneurs and and being an entrepreneur and, mm-hmm. and knowing how to run a business are, are two actually very different things. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> and, and totally. And it's interesting. Like nobody really talks about that. Like people are just kind of like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I run a business and, and people just assume that they come hand in hand, mm-hmm. um, but they don't. They, and they really I don't. find a lot of them. Yeah. Like, like a lot of them, they're, they're harebrained guys. They got lots of crazy ideas. They're very action oriented. They're very good at selling their ideas to others, their employees and, and their customers. They're excited. They've got a vision and they suck at implementing all of it. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that kind of comes to my story because I was great at finding the work. I, I mean, I could sell mm-hmm. anything and I would never say no. And I had, you know, I was actually working in five different States, tons of different projects, super diverse, sucked at managing all of it. I could go get the work, mm-hmm. but then when I had it, I was like, okay, now I got to manage this. And it, uh, it just, it, that's where all my stress and all my uh, sleepless nights came in was trying to manage all the work that I was able to get. Cause I was, I mean, I could find business, no problem. Um, managing it was different. I think Steve jobs was similar to that. He had like a, there's a guy with a vision, knew what people, what consumers wanted, um, but everything I've read about him was his, if it wasn't for the people that he had working with him that could actually implement his visions, it, you know, Apple would have been a completely different uh, story than we have today. <laughs> totally. Yeah, very much so. And it's, and it's so common. Like it's, if there's one thread I see in all the people we work with, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And what, and what we're often doing with these people is we're kind of taking them from this like kind of rough, jagged, but very like rambunctious, you know, grassroots entrepreneur to a more refined developed you know enterprise level entrepreneur yeah and, and there's a process and it's an intentional process they have to go through and yeah it's incredible like having the right team behind you is is everything i mean one person being a solopreneur is it can be very challenging to have to be enterprise level and grassroots often at the same time 
as you're pulled in many directions every day, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know of too many people whose brains are wired to do both simultaneously. It's, it's, it's mental gymnastics. I mean, even I'm starting to have to do it now because our organization's growing large enough that I've got to kind of manage, you know, our sales team and kind of keep everything structured and looking at implementation of Salesforce and all these new, you know, things that are coming into play. And I still yet have to go out and, you know, do some sales for our company and do our follow-ups and speak at events. And so let's, let's talk and, about that. So what, so Breakthrough Academy, so what, what's your, what's the company look like? So we've got 25 staff uh, or 25 people on the team. Um, we've got 290 companies that are actively reporting to us on a week-to-week basis. Um, we, yeah, I mean, they're all trades. So they're all landscaping, painting, renovations, home service type companies. Um, what's kind of cool is they all know each other too. So they're all fairly kind of like close. They share a lot of ideas, you know, more than just us as a company training and providing you know, business training for them. They, they provide a lot for each other Yeah. and they become kind of a powerful force. Like we have, you know, right now, probably just, just under, you know, $600 million of revenue that they're producing as a group together, Wow. which, you know, gives us unique buying power and, you know, some just, yeah, some force in the industry. And yeah, most of our clients we work with, they're, they're very forward thinking. They're very entrepreneurial. They're very driven. They want to make change in the industry. They want to see it professionalized and do better and are willing to share and be liberal with the way they learn things and not just lock everything up and, and try and keep it all for themselves. So it's, it's a neat community at BTA. You know, we've got a lot of content for them. We teach them a ton about financial planning, organizational structure, recruitment, training, you know, standard operating procedures, uh, you know, priority management, strategic planning, like all, all these business things that people kind of know and hear about, but we build it in a very succinct way. But on top of that, you've got this community of people where you can share all your ideas liberally. Everyone's working on the same stuff. Everyone's talking about, you know, their gross profit margins openly and um, it's a unique place to kind of just get a really cool peer network built as well. Well, that's the thing. And the networking yeah. that must go along with that. So, you know, if I'm a, you know, general contractor, let's say, I need a, a subcontractor base. So it, it mm-hmm. sounds like they probably work with each other, especially when you get together mm-hmm. for your retreats. I'm sure they're like, oh, I need a, you know, a painter in this area or I need, you know, drywall or, or whatever. So I'm sure the referrals the that go on are, that's probably a very powerful part of it as well. Yeah, it's funny. We never actually planned on that being a value add for BTA. It just kind of organically happened. But I hear it from guys. They're like, literally, Danny, like from the membership itself, I pay for my membership, you know, twofold, threefold. Yeah, I guarantee it. the fact that I'm actually growing my company. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk talk about the six pillars. Let's just kind of get back to it. Because I know the first one is a a defined process to track numbers, understand cash flow, um, and to control profit. And really to have an understanding of that, you know, let's say I'm a general contractor and I come to you and I say, here's my business. How do you, how do you jump into that and help and start to help these contractors kind of formulate their financial, the financial ends of things? Yeah. So it's simpler than you think. You start with looking at last year's financials, right? So at some level, hopefully most people on the call have at least a year of financials under their belt or two years of financials under their belt there. They can see, okay, this is how much revenue we did. This is how much variable expenses we spent, you know, labor, subs, material, things like that. And then this is how much overhead we spent on like trucks and advertising and, you know, whatever. Right. Um, so when we can look at last year, I'll just give you some round numbers, but we can say, huh, okay, you did a million bucks last year. You spent $300,000 on labor and let's say $300,000 on material. So you spent 60% of your, your costs, uh, or sorry, 60% of your revenue on costs. And it looks like you made 40%. Cool. Right. 
well, you didn't put that in your pocket because after you went and produced those jobs, you had to pay for the trucks and the advertising and <laughs> right. a project manager and you know all the other wonderful things that come with overhead. Um, so it looks like you made you know out of that hundred, you know out of that one million dollars, uh, you made maybe hundred grand, maybe you made ten percent. Let's say, good to know. Well, next year, where can we make tweaks? Where are there inefficiencies? Where are you feeling like things are, are went way over and like, oh, our guys, they just go way over budget. It's like, okay, so labor expense at 30%, like, should we look at bringing that down to maybe 25 next year? Let's look, look at, you know, are we gonna increase rates? Are we going to work on like some productivity in the field, maybe incentive-based pay or set a budget on hours for every job they produce? Like, what are we physically going to do to make this number change? right? Hmm. Okay, revenue is at a million. Should we go up to 1.2? Okay, well, how many more leads is that? And how many more quotes is that? Okay, now let's break that down to on a weekly basis and figure out exactly how many more you know, leads and quotes you need to do weekly. And then let's track how you're actually doing and see if you're trending to hit that 1.2 or not. Awesome. So you start with the financials by looking at the previous year, benchmarking, you know, your, your new year and, and the big changes you want to make. And then at the end, the end of the whole thing, like it's great and all to make all these changes, but look at your net profit. Like we often have our guys start with net profit. Like what's the goal? You want to go from making a hundred to 150. Okay. Let's figure out the equation to make that happen. Cause sometimes it's to grow revenue, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's literally just, we need to work on efficiencies, right? Like if we've got a company that is making, you know, three or 4% net profit, and they want to grow revenue to make more money, the chances are they're working with a broken machine. Like we don't want that thing to go any faster. If anything, we want to slow it down, fix it, and then we can actually move move forward, right? It's like trying to drive a car that's overheating all the time. You don't want to like keep gunning the gas to try and get to that destination. You want to actually stop, fix the machine, and then you can keep going. So, so are people pretty receptive to that when you when you break it down like that? Yeah, totally. And, and if anything, a lot of them are scared that I'm going to tell them they have to grow. They're like, oh, man, like, you're not going to make me grow, are you? Like, we can't handle this anymore. I'm stressed out. And I'm like, no, dude, like, we need to, like, like look at all areas here and make a good, like, dynamic decision based on the variables at hand with your company. But financials tell a pretty clear story what's going on. <laughs> they do. And I think that um, a lot of – so I work with tons of trades all the time, um, and I think – think that a lot of them you talk about projecting forward a lot of them are only looking backwards what did i do last mm -hmm. year what did i do last month what did i do last right. week rather than trying to put together a um a plan for forward mm -hmm. growth and forward momentum um and i i, I see it all the time because i have trades that i talk to them and i'm like hey you guys look super stressed out what's going on and they're like oh my god you know we need some more work we need some more work and it's you know they're always and I'm say always, but a lot of companies are, are working off of yesterday instead of tomorrow. And I mean, I was guilty of that as well um, when I was running my own company. So, but that, that goes into, I think your second pillar of how to effectively structure your organization. So, yeah. I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. An organizational structure is something that I think a lot of people have, or they built a bubble chart around where they draw circles. This is, I got me, and then I got a project manager and a sales manager that report to me, and then I got people below them. And but what they're missing is what you just mentioned, which is where, where what are the goals for these people? Because here's what's interesting: if you look at like any project management software, um, for the most part, most financial softwares, what you just said is very true. They all tell you where you're at. Yeah. But they don't really tell you where you should be, right? So it's like, okay, we've got, you know, half a million dollars booked in sales. We've done, you know, 52 quotes, and we've got 103 leads this year. Is that good? 
Is it bad? <laughs> Hard to say. Yeah. I don't really know because I don't have a goal or a broken down version of that goal to tell me at this time of the year we need to be at you know $1.2 million booked and 102 quotes done and 300 leads generated. We don't have that goal. So we just go with what we got and we hope that that's enough to get us to year end. Right. Yeah. So in an organizational structure that we build, we very quickly, we look at the financials with the financials. We break down a sales plan and a production plan. It's actually broken down like weekly goals of what needs to be hit numerically. And then we give those goals to the people in the organizational structure. So the company might need to hit 1 million at a 30% gross profit margin with a 10% net. And maybe let's talk quality to like a, you know, nine out of 10 or a four out of five Google star rating on average on Google. And, and what we're doing is we're giving the company a quality, a volume, and a profit goal. They're usually healthy to have those three goals at play because if you're all about revenue, profit will slip. If it's all about quality, you know, profit and revenue might slip. If it's all about profit, quality and revenue might slip. But if you have all three in check, you kind of hold almost like a, a good balance between all three goals. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. No, that and then you make disseminate sense. that down. Right? And then you disseminate that down to their people and you say, okay, Mr. Project Manager, you need to produce us you know, 1.1 million, so slightly more than the company goal, just in case you slip a little bit. So 1.1 million at a 32% gross profit margin and make us 12% net. Or let's just even say gross profit. Let's even go for net. Let's just say gross profit. They, they can't really control net, so I wouldn't put them in charge of that. Yeah. <laughs> and the sales guy, you know, sales guy, it's like you need to go book 1.2 million, so giving us a little bit of an extra runway going into January of next year. And it needs to be done within 150 quotes, which is basically what I'm telling you is you need to maintain a whatever average job size of, you know, whatever, $10,000. And you need to have, um, you know, done it within 150 quotes. So now we've got numbers that these people are actually held accountable to. And then I can break those people's numbers down to weekly goals and be like, okay, so this week you need to produce $6,000 you know, for the month of January. Then in February, we kick up our season a bit, and then it's $8,000 a week. And then by the time we hit you know, August or June, it should be like you know, $92,000 a week, and we're in our hot season. And so you can, we can actually adjust for seasonality, someone's business, and tell them weekly what their team needs to be hitting. And then their team starts to put in their actuals, and the goal is just sitting there waiting for them, and they can see are they trending to hit by year end? Are they trending in production? Are they trending in sales? And is that trending to help the company hit its financial plan? And so, and you do you have so you're do you call them coaches? You're, you're um... sure, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I mean, are they like monitoring this in real time? Yeah, yeah, was... we have live financials. That's why that's why I know how much revenue we're, we're managing because we have live financials in every company we work with. That is fantastic, and they're pretty. Um... The companies are pretty open to sharing that with you. So it's, yeah, it's fine with us. They have to, I mean, you can't work with an organization like us and we're like a doctor. Like you can't like, you can't fix you if you're not willing to pull your shorts down. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> we we got to know at some point what's going on. Right. Um, yeah. And you'd be surprised. Like most owners in this day and age get it. Like their financials are not some like secretive thing that if anyone saw they're all, they're all going to get laughed at. Like they get it. It's, it's financials. Everyone has it. And, and to be honest, what's really fascinating about the trades now that I've seen, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies, everyone's making between 10 and 20% net. Okay. And the bigger the average job size, usually the lower the net and the smaller the average job size, usually the higher the net. But it, when you have a small AGS, it takes more effort to get larger revenue anyways. Yeah. And I call it the great equalizer of business. It's like if there's equal you know, opportunity, there's also equal challenge in those things. Some people are like, oh, I want to be a general contractor. Those guys do massive jobs. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But they also like manage a massive amount of like deficiencies and like are on the hook for like jobs sometimes for hundreds of thousands of dollars when they for don't sure. get paid. And 
you know, have to manage huge amounts of cash flow issues and, you know, and then the window cleaner is just like, you know, or the, so the general contractor is like, man, I wish I had like a streamlined window cleaning business and I could just like, you know, set up a system and leave it and there's no complexity to it. And if a customer's mad, it's just like a hundred dollars or $200 worth of revenue. Exactly. And, and I'm like, boys, the grass is greener, on the, always greener on the other side. So, well, I, I will tell anyway, you, there, it, is, there is a ton of truth to what you're saying there because it, I found that when I was running my company, the smaller jobs were great. I mean, they were, I, I lived off the smaller jobs because every time I did a big complex job, it was not worth the, the profit. And it was smaller, mm-hmm. always, always my net was smaller than when I was doing smaller like weatherization jobs, you know, insulation and air sealing or something along those lines. Um, I mean, I lived off those. Those were the best. They were fast. And if there was an issue, no problem. You know, it could be corrected in minutes instead of disassembling something that I had just built and trying to put it back together and still maintaining some semblance of profit on the job. So there's a ton of truth to that for sure. So Let's let's talk about the probably I think the hardest aspect to entrepreneurship or to running a company, and that is finding talented people to work for you, because that is that is I feel like it's a struggle, no matter what, uh, whether you own the company, if you don't, if you're just running or managing part of the company, finding the right people is was always the most difficult for me when I ran my own company. Now that I'm managing another company, it's still the most difficult aspect of the job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when you, when you talk about recruitment, people often say to me, man, like we could probably double our revenue if we just had enough people to do it. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. They're like, sales aren't a problem. We have more coming in than we can handle. It's like, uh-huh. And I was like in 2008, what was your biggest challenge? They're like sales all the way. I was like, cool. Cause I could see it in your books. You're still <laughs> spending $20,000 a year on AdWords and 500 bucks a year on recruitment. And people haven't yet fully shifted their actions towards realizing that we're no longer in a recession of getting work. We're in a recession of people for sure. And it's, and it's, and it's hard, but it's, it's hidden because the economy's booming. Everybody's happy. Like, like, you know, good, good economic financial stuff in the news. So everyone feels like everything is great, but it is a battleground out there when it comes to good people. Oh, it really? And is. if you think about in 2008, the amount of sweat, blood, and tears people had to go through to just keep the doors open, mm-hmm. right? And the amount of effort that they would put into sales and marketing just to get those little bits of jobs, scraps of jobs, to kind of keep themselves going. They don't put anywhere near that kind of effort into recruitment. No, right now. they don't. And, you know, and it's funny, as I talk to, um, you know, my HVAC contractors, framers, painters, every, you know, concrete guys, and even for myself, if I'm looking for, if I need to hire a construction manager, it will take eight months to find somebody Mm -hmm. because there is a shortage of quality. I I wouldn't even say there's a shortage of, of workforce. I think the problem is they're all employed <laughs> at least that's how it feels sometimes we, and it's hard we, to find people we, the, very like just just realistically we have there's two things at play right so one is you know we're entering an age of automation uh we're entering an age of you know everyone wants to be mark zuckerberg and millennials all just see themselves as you know being a little more soft-handed in their careers and yeah. being out there working working hard on the tools and that's a cultural thing right 
and there is also just a very big reality. Actually, I was watching um, on Seeker on YouTube this morning, this little like science documentary show I watched, but it was all about like the aging population and how, yeah, it's like pretty real thing. Like it's, you know, you know, millennials are taking over the workforce, but there's not nearly as many of us as there are of the baby boomers. And for the first time ever, our society is getting top heavy. Yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting, the future, what the future holds, you know, nobody fully knows. I mean, people are talking about things like UBI, universal basic income, and, you know, you know, robot automation and self-driving cars and all these really cool things, which I'm sure are going to come to fruition and, and help the situation. But, you know, the fact remains, I would say for the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, like we've got a pretty hard transition in finding good, skilled people to work in the trades. Yeah. an unsexy industry and there's less and less people that are willing to do it and it's just there's less and less young people versus older people now in the, in the economy as it is so that, that's not going away right yeah. like we're not just going to like you know hit, hit a month or, or a year where all of a sudden that just starts to get better like the, the the variables at play are locked in for the next 50 years and i think it's important for people to kind of realize that and be like okay if this is the case we better get damn good at recruiting because this is going to define our success for the remainder of our, our organization's life for the, for the foreseeable future anyways. So how do, how do you do that? How do you get good at recruiting? <laughs> well, I'm going to give some pointers on this, this one. So just to give some people some quick implementable nuggets, just some real action-oriented ones. But yeah, like I spent, God, you know, eight years of my life working with this painting organization in the past running franchises. And of that, you know, recruiting was my, like, my, my lifeblood. And the last actually two and a half years, my whole role was to recruit and hire like 150 student franchises a year. And man, it was a, it was a grind. I, I was, I was pushing, <laughs> yeah. but I would, I will tell you this. It was more like sales and marketing than people really understand or realize. I was essentially selling and marketing a job. Sure. Right. So how do you do that? Well, you go back to the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing, which a lot of people have been pounding out for years, right? So the first idea is know who you're even trying to recruit. You know, people build out in marketing agencies all the time the ideal candidate, or sorry, the ideal client, and we, we want to help people build the ideal candidate, right? So sit down with your top person. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their core values? But more importantly, to attract other people like that person, what are their needs? What are their wants? Why do they start with you? Why do they stay with you? What do they love about their job? What do they hate about their job? Understand those people, right? So I'll give you an example of this. Years ago, one of my project managers, I needed about two more of them. So I kept putting out ads for project managers, like, you know, need a project manager for a painting company, um, you know, make this much, you know, run crews, have your own truck, you know, apply. Just like everybody else is at. And usually, you know, Craigslist, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, some of the stuff we, we were using, and we'd have to keep, especially on Craigslist, our ad up every, I would usually do it twice a day, every day at 11 and four. And I would post consistently just to keep myself above the rankings. Cause like everyone just gets my ad pushed down within a couple hours. Gotcha. Good enough tactic. Fair enough. The problem is my ad just looks like everybody else's. So I sat down with my project manager and I asked him a lot of these needs based questions. What do you love about us? What do you hate about us? What keeps you around? What, what got you started with us? Like all this stuff. And he's like, Danny, like, like I, I don't feel like I have a, a boss. You're like more my coach. Like, I don't have to be told what to do every day. You give me freedom and autonomy to make my own strategy. You know, like, I, I don't have a team of, of painters. I feel like I have a team of players below me that are all goal-driven because you've given us goals for these job sites. He's like, Danny, I'm an athlete. He's like, I'm the captain of my football team. The only difference is I get paid here. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was like, right. <laughs> so I changed my ads. 
right? I went from need need a you know a painter to manage our crews to need a quarterback to take our company you know, or our crews home. Um, you know, sick of a boss, wish you had more of a coach. Want freedom and autonomy to to run your own business or run your cruise your way. You want goals goals uh, so you can make good bonuses and be able to drive results. Boy, do have the job for you. And I stopped getting so many of these like you know tired painters that had egos and and stubborn attitudes. And I started getting athletes that had less painting experience, but the right mentality. Awesome. Right. So, so did they? I, was there a staying power there? Did they when they came on board? Did they stay? Yeah, because the key was that I wasn't hiring people that were just like I've been painting for twenty years. I can run your cruise. Just because you're a good painter doesn't make you, you a good leader, right? Yeah. I was hiring people that were I'm a good leader and I'm built to lead people. Can you teach me how to paint? Yeah, I love it. I can teach someone how to paint way easier than I can teach someone how to be a good leader or manage stress or be open to coaching or have a natural connotation towards goal setting. Like those things are built inside of people's DNA. You can't change that. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's awesome. And do you, do you still do that when you're, uh, yeah, actually, well, my, my business partner, Igor does most of the recruitment now, but he follows that exact process. We build an ideal candidate profile we then go out and market the Jesus out of it. Um, if you ever want to go to our, our website, <laughs> btacademy.com, and look at the recruiting section, um, I think it's it here, btacademy.com backslash, I think, apply, I think. Uh-huh. And um, it's banging. We spent like $7,000 on an epic like video that has our staff going out on all of our retreats. Oh, I saw it. I think I looked at that, BTA actually. And, I think I watched that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, btacademy.com backslash join dash the dash team. You want, to, you want to see an epic recruiting page? Like, go model what we've done. It, it, it works. Now, the key to this isn't just being able to sell the job to the right ideal candidate. It's also being able to deliver the message. So, again, marketing, you need to identify your ideal candidate. You need to draw up a message that will attract that ideal candidate, but you still got to put it out there. Right? So think of fishing. I've identified the traits of my fish. I've identified the lure that's going to make my fish bite. But now i got to cast that thing out. And I got to make sure I know where to cast, right? Okay. So people spray it out all the time. They're, you know, Craigslist, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and I don't think these are terrible things. They're, they're things to go do. I'll tell you the most deadly strategy that I've ever done, and we still do to this day. And we've hired, you know, pretty much everyone from our on our 25 people team came from this. Facebook and LinkedIn direct messaging. You know, so I, I don't know about Facebook, ahead. but LinkedIn, I have gotten. Um, I mean, that is a powerful tool. The direct messaging is a super powerful tool because you can literally, you know, search for what you're looking for and those people will pop Mm -hmm. up and then you just reach out to them and say, Hey, I looked at your profile. You've got this, this is what I'm looking for. Let's talk about it. So, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, uh, I did not realize it was as useful a tool because I've been on LinkedIn for years and I, I just recently, I'd say in the last six months, started using it as a tool to help me, you know, achieve certain goals that I have for, you know, the podcast or professionally or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. I'm a believer in that. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook, not so much. I'll I'll t- just kind of rusty. I'll tell you too. Facebook is the one that's worked 80, 90% of our, our people have come from that one. I'll tell you why though. So we draft up this big ad. We have a landing page for it. We make it all very appealing to that ideal candidate. We then sit down with our entire team during our team huddle and we say, here's the new you know, role that we need to hire for. Here's the description of the person. Each one of you, if you guys can this week, send out one to 200 Facebook messages. Okay, And what it's going to say is, 
hey, so-and-so, our company XYZ is looking for a person in XYZ role. Curious if you know anybody who'd be a good fit. Please see link below. P.S. We're offering a $500 hiring bonus. If you know anybody, I'd be happy to share that with you. So the best practice actually is to get your team all in on a Thursday together, pizza and beer night, whatever, pay for their hours to be there and give them two or three hours to hammer out one to 200 messages each on Facebook. And these are individual, like, hey, jo- hey, Sally, hey, John, hey, Rick, hey, Tom, one-off messages. Don't group message them. People do that sometimes, and then people, like, get real mad because anyone replies in that group thread, it just, like, dings your phone forever. Gotcha. So don't do that. <laughs> but one-off messages and send it to people that you think would be a good fit, people that are good connectors, and people that they have a generally good relationship with. Because you're sending it to people being a good fit, regardless if they're, if they're open to the job or not, because you're just saying, do you know anybody to be a good fit? It's less threatening. Let them read the ad and self-identify, right? Yeah. And in doing that, with a team of 25 right now, let's say an average person sends out about 100 messages, that's 200, or sorry, 2,500 direct Facebook messages that go out in the course of two hours. Wow. And when you get a Facebook message from a friend, you read it. Yeah, you read it. Definitely. So the amount of eyeballs and, and, and vetted eyeballs of like good people that are a part of our people's network is massive. And then those people pass it on to other people because they're like, do you know anybody? And there's 500 bucks involved. And you start this little viral little, little bug that gets out into people's worlds that aren't applying for jobs, aren't necessarily looking. You know, we hire a lot of people that look at us and they're like, we don't have a resume. Is that okay? And I'm like, that's arguably potentially a good thing because they've been networked their whole life. Yeah. Wow, that is a powerful tool. I that is a great. I hadn't thought about because that's. I mean, that's almost like we're. It's. Uh, I mean, so every employee that I've ever had or coworker I've ever worked with that was a referral from somebody that I knew. Mm-hmm. I'd say eighty percent of them ended up being long-lasting quality leads because you're not going to reach out to somebody that you know is lazy or isn't. You know going to get the job done because that's a reflection of you, right? So that's, that's besides the financial reward for finding somebody, it's also kind of like bragging rights. Like, look, oh, I know this person that that's going to benefit your company. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like success by association almost. That's, totally. that's great. Here's, a, it, here's another really subtle thing happening at, or at play that people don't always realize is when you, when you hire through the network, you're often finding people with very similar core values. Oh, yeah. And if you think about an organization where somebody doesn't have the same core values as you or as the company has, they kind of stick out like a sore thumb. Oh my God. And yeah. it's weird sometimes too. Like some people have, they tell me like, man, I got this like rock star sales guy, but he kind of pisses everybody off in the, in the process. <laughs> but he books us a million dollars a year. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man, like that's core values. And arguably those people don't last and yeah. shouldn't last. And it's hard when you're pulling in a bunch of strangers from all these different facets and, and marketing tactics who have no idea who each other are. For you as an owner to be able to assimilate all of them with the same core values is a very challenging task. Not that it's still not very challenging, but it takes some of the load off when you're you're recruiting through the network primarily. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the interview today. Um, I'm sure you learned a lot listening to Danny. His depth of knowledge when it comes to running a business is is pretty impressive. As always, if you're looking to improve the productivity of your your bidding process at work, go to stackct.com, log into your Stack account, check it out. That is a cloud-based solution. They offer 
plan, spec and document management, team collaboration, Stack does cloud-based material and quantity takeoffs. Anywhere you have access to Wi-Fi, you have access to your Stack account, project reporting, their job analytics. It's fantastic. Customer support and training, always free. Check them out. Stack was created by trade workers for trade workers. These guys get it. They understand what's going on out in the field. They understand the challenges that trade contractors face. They're here to help. They're here to save you time, make you more money, and win you more jobs. Check them out, stackct.com. Also, check out Builder Tactics. Uh, we've got our online training program. It's going to be released at the end of January, beginning of February. As always, we have our manual for download. Uh, we will have a separate segment of the website specifically dedicated to trade tactics, so you can log on there. We can help train your foreman. We can help you with the success of your business. Check us out, buildertactics.com. And as always, check out the Construction Management Podcast. That is a wealth of information for anybody that wants to do anything with construction. Thanks a lot, and we really appreciate you listening.